Hello and welcome to the Van Foodster Podcast. I am your host, Richard Wallach, covering the food scene in and around the Vancouver area, across Canada and beyond. This is episode 130 of the Van Foodster podcast. In this week's episode, I talk about Spice Club Indian Cuisine that recently opened in Surrey. I feature Reach Riley's Steak and Fish in downtown Vancouver. I feature the Main on Main in the Riley Park neighborhood. I feature Burger Burger at the Cordova in Gastown. I feature Boquito Tea Bar in the River District. I talk about some baked goods from around the city you should try right now. And lastly, I feature my interview with Sarah McCauley, Corporate Wine Director at Global Group Restaurants. Follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Van Foodster, as well as to visit VancouverFoodster.com for everything food in Vancouver and beyond. And let's get on with this week's episode. I was out in Surrey recently to uh, dine at the new Spice Club Indian Cuisine Restaurant, and this was phenomenal. Uh, they've opened, been open about two months or so now, and um, it had been inviting me in, and, and I had been sort of having to put it off for a little while just to be able to fit it in. And have some of my friends join me out in Surrey for dinner. Um, as you can tell, as we always go into Indian restaurants, we're trying a lot of different dishes. And just to try a lot of different dishes on my own or with one more person is kind of difficult. So made it a foursome and had uh, Lawrence with me and uh, Jay and Billy joined us. And we had a delicious dinner trying all sorts of different dishes they have. And I think we've only conquered maybe a quarter of the menu, I think. We could have either had 10 more friends join us or we could have just kind of gone back the next day and, and had more dishes. But it was all very good. I was very surprised to see how busy the restaurant was. Um, it was, you know, it was like a, we were there fairly early. I want to say we were at 7 o'clock on a Sunday night. And to me, 7 o'clock in Vancouver restaurants are always full. And when we got there at 7 o'clock, it actually was not busy. They only had like maybe one other table. But by 9 o'clock, the restaurant was full capacity with people waiting in line. I thought, wow, people eat late out here, but this is like really good. And they're open to like midnight or 1 a.m., that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, great, great spot. You have to check this out. Uh, but let me tell you, um, first of all, where it's located. It's on 120th Street. Now, 120th Street in Surrey, it's 950 120th Street. There are a lot of Indian restaurants. Like every single block has uh, like Almost, almost all the restaurants are Indian. There's a few others. We saw some Thai. There's a few other businesses, etc. But really, this one area of Surrey is like loaded with Indian restaurants. So really, you've got to stand out there. Like, so if you're going to open, you have to make a splash, and you've got to be good because there is so much competition. You know, if you're just someone doesn't like one, they're off to the other. So, but I think Spice Club has really hit it off. So um, definitely want one to check out. So. Let me tell you a little bit what we had, to, what we tried to eat there, what we had there. First of all, to drink. So I had a non-alcoholic drink. I was driving that night at a turmeric ale. This was really good. So refreshing. It was made with mint, turmeric, and lime juice. Sounds kind of like an odd kind of combination, but it worked out really well. Uh, Jay and Lawrence both had the strawberry lemonade, and Billy had a glass of Sauvignon Blanc. Uh, but for food, we, we tried lots of different dishes and really a lot. Everything was good. So we started out with the chicken momos. So this is actually um, 
we have this a tandoori style. They, they have fried, they have steamed. We did the tandoori style means they were actually cooked in a tent, baked in a tandoor oven with a red chili and tomato chutney. This was delicious. It was a chicken momos we had for that one. Then we had the tandoori mixed platter. It come sizzling to the table. And it had a mixture of all sorts of different meats. We had chicken. We had fish. We had some lamb sausage. Um, it was all very, very good. We all, we all kind of shared that. Really tasty. Uh, the masala fish, also really good. Coconut chicken was by far the best coconut chicken I've had in a long time. I eat at a lot of Indian restaurants, or lately I've eaten at a lot of Indian restaurants. I'm about to eat at several more around the city, and I'll talk about that on future podcasts. But it's like we have a boom of Indian cuisine happening around Vancouver and Surrey right now. So definitely have to take part and enjoy this and try these different dishes. But uh, coconut chicken was very good. And it wasn't spicy. We went for we went with mild, but um, it just had really good flavor to it. And um, it's made some coconut milk in there and chicken. It was just really good flavor. Eggplant barta, another great flavored dish. I mean, smoked smoky eggplant. Uh, they just did it really well. Had really good flavor. Lamb coconut, same idea. Tender lamb inside there. Coconut curry, really really good. Vegetable korma, another winner. I mean, like everything we had was really good. Uh, vegetable korma was really tasty. Korma, I love korma dishes, but we just thought we'd try something different this time because if we go with chicken korma like I always do, then there's a lot of chicken. So vegetable korma, really good one. Green pea palau, great, great pea, a great uh, rice dish to share, not spicy at all. Uh, the bindi masala is their okra dish, and okra is actually really good for you. I was reading up about okra recently, and um, that's you can find it in a lot of Indian restaurants, but this one was actually particularly very good, very tasty. Uh, we had some of their breads, the garlic naan. Of course, you can't go wrong. You got to go with garlic naan. Lacha paratha is one of my favorites always. Um, very buttery, of course. I'm addicted to that, but it was really good. And the missy roti is actually made out of a chickpea flour. Also really, really tasty. That was one of the best ones I've had in a while. And then we had the Kashmiri naan. Now, they're Kashmiri naan, so it's a little different. Like I always have Peshwari naan in a lot of places. I always like to try it, and it's a sweet bread. Um, usually it's got coconut and fruit, you know, kind of dried fruits in it and can be sweet. But this is a little different. So this is Kashmiri naan, and it wasn't so sweet, but it, had, it was really tasty. So we really enjoyed that. I would definitely order that again next time around. And then um, for dessert, we went with the, uh, we had the Kajar Hawa. It's uh, kind of like a carrot dish. So it's it's dessert, but it's got carrots in it. Um, I've had this in other restaurants. They did a particularly good job there. We also tried their kulfi bar, uh, but it was way too sweet for all of us. So I, I would just stick with, for dessert, I would just kind of go with one. Just go with the gahar gawa because the kulfi bar, I get the idea of it, but it was really sweet. It had ice cream on the side. Um, it, we all didn't love it. We all love the gahar gawa. So definitely check it out. Spice Club, they're out in Surrey, as I just mentioned, and where they're located. But uh, make a reservation there, I think, because... Um, if you go late, as you'll discover that the restaurant's completely full and you have to wait for a while. So there you go. Uh, Riley's Steak and Fish, downtown Vancouver. I finally got a chance to visit. They've been open for just over a year, actually just celebrating a year right now. And um, it's taken that long to get out there. Um, so I got to meet uh, Chef Ying Gao. She is phenomenal. She is so passionate about what she does. I was so happy to meet her. Uh, she's executive chef at Riley. She's been there since day one. She really knows what she's doing. Very passionate, very precise. I like to see that with chefs. Um, she had this whole room and it was packed. Just 
going like it was so in sync with the servers everything there we were watching it all throughout the night and everything was in sync dishes came to the table all on time and i walked i looked around me and everybody's enjoying everything they're eating so that really holds true to the chef and of course she has years of experience working in some top restaurants around she worked for top table she previously worked for elisa steak in Yelltown. she worked for chin chin restaurant so she she definitely knows her stuff she knows what she's doing she knows how precision and and curing dishes out of a kitchen a kitchen is actually not that big surprising the global group a global tells garden restaurant has a huge kitchen but it's also a huge restaurant this is actually a large restaurant too but they didn't build it from scratch one uh, you see previously it was a rogue uh, restaurant uh, closed down during the pandemic and then they took it over so uh, they were inherited the kitchen and they couldn't make it any bigger uh, so you got to go with what you got to go with and uh, they've done a great job so uh, really happy that we finally got to make it over to Riley's let me give you a little idea of what we had there uh, we tried a couple of their new cocktails off their menu it's uh, one was the cucumber pivot and the beauty and the beast now I looked at it right away and I thought I know which one I'm going to like. I'm going to like the Beauty and the Beast, and Lawrence is going to like the Cucumber Pivot. But it was an actual switch. It was not the case. When we both tried each of the cocktails, I was like, no way. Cucumber Pivot, that is mine. And he's like, Beauty and the Beast, this is mine. So it was just funny how what we had assumed, what we the ingredients and what we would like, was the actual flip of what we enjoyed. So that was very, very good. So check those out, those cocktails off the menu there. Um Next, it was on to dinner. We started off with the Riley's Brioche. It was divine. So this is actually a garlic and greer house-baked brioche. It's huge, first of all. But, you know, like there were two of us. We uh, took the rest home. We didn't eat it all, of course, because I think if you're table four, you'll, you'll devour it. But, you know, we weren't. We were two. So we each had a piece. We took it home. We had it the next day. It was great. Um, but it comes with this whipped butter. It comes with a um, truffle oil. On the side, uh, sorry, not truffle. That's not take that back. Not truffle. A lobster oil on the side, so you can kind of dip it in the lobster oil. It's heavenly, but it's a great. It's like their hit. They said it's the number one dish that every single table, or almost not every single table, almost every single table orders it. Uh, people love it. It's really good. Uh, so we, um, right when we were about to have our appetizers, uh, we had uh, we had some white wine to go with that. It was a Domaine uh, de Sancha 2021 from Reinhardt, France. It went perfectly with our appetizers. A beautiful wine. Definitely one to check out. You can find it in their cooler. It's on their menu, on their wine menu. Uh, the tuna tartare was a stunner. I loved it. I loved the grilled pineapple and the avocado that came with this dish. The tuna itself was just, just bright. It was super flavorful. Everything in that dish worked out really well. It came with some uh, kind of like a brioche, a crispy bread kind of thing there but it the whole thing was really good definitely order that if you're going there this is one you want to try then with the louis salad this is also really good and you do not find crab louis salads around vancouver very often i don't know why it's like one of these things that goes back to many years ago you'll find it in american um, steakhouses and stuff you find it very often but not really vancouver i haven't really seen it much so uh, here they've done a louis salad it's done with this beautiful lettuce beautiful baby gem lettuce Lump, lump crab, uh, avocado slices, and it's got these crispy onion rings on top. Really good. We loved it. Uh, we had the popular, very popular, apparently everybody orders this, smoked salmon and caviar, potato rust, roasty, also really good. A bit more heavy, a little heavier than the other dishes, but uh, really tasty. Um, we had those. 
and uh, it all it all went all of those dishes went really well together. I thought like as far as appetizers go, all of them were, were really good hits and um, and also complemented the wine quite well. Um, then we went on to the main dishes and we had a northern gold beef ribeye. Uh, cooked Chicago style for us. So they have an option there. You can have it just cooked like kind of regular, or you can have this Chicago style, which puts it like a, a charcoal char on the outside of the uh, steak. We went medium and it was just juicy. It was really good. They sliced it for us. So that was great for sharing, of course. We had a peppercorn sauce. They have a few different kind of sauces there. You can go with Bernays, peppercorn, or another one, but we went with peppercorn. Uh, they, um, You have a bunch of additions there. You can add to this dish if you like. We added the pan-seared scallops, which were really tasty, and the grilled garlic tiger prawns. Larry Lawrence loved the, the tiger prawns. Um, so with that, so that was an add-on. You can definitely do that if whatever you want. Um, the ribeye, it was about uh, $98 to the ribeye, but, you know, we're two of us were sharing. We also had leftovers from that. So, you know, you can definitely go that. I think the meat there is really good. Northern Gold, very good. Uh, we had this uh, paired up with um, a, a pinot. Uh, a red wine from Oregon. It was a Zena Crown Vista Pinot Noir 2017 from Oregon. It's from the Willamette Valley, but from a sub spot, an, an AV in the Willamette, Willamette Valley, that was perfectly paired with this steak. We really, really enjoyed it. Uh, we also had the Haida Gwaii Halibut Special. It was on that night. They had a halibut special from Haida Gwaii. Um, beautiful fish, really, really good. And uh, it was just like all the elements of this dish was perfect we really, really enjoyed that uh halibut season is in in is on right now anyway uh you've got you got months goes halibut season goes around november i don't know how long your halibut special is actually on the menu for but i definitely wanted to check out um we had a couple um side dishes with that some vegetables we had the charred broccolini which is very good very garlicky we really enjoyed it and the saute green beans great enhancements to our meal we really we both really enjoyed that uh, we went on to dessert, and we had their sour cream cheesecake and the lemon tart. Um, the lemon tart was my favorite, and that's a, some, another thing. I don't usually like lemon tarts. Lawrence loves lemon tarts, but I was like, yeah, I'm not really lemon. But you know what? It was really good. Lemon tart, delicious. Uh, we had a dessert wine to go with that, the Chateau um, Armagnac de Orme, 2016. Uh, it perfectly paired as well so another one so they really know their wines uh philip was our server he knew his wines like really really well and he's experienced in many other restaurants around the city as well so this is definitely you want to check it out riley's um for dinner uh they're open for brunch as well i've not tried that i'd like to try that one day but it was uh very good and chef's amazing so you want to go see what they have to offer and then one thing they did tell us that um chef has come in every weekend i think it's thursday night or Maybe it's Friday. So every weekend, Friday and Saturday, or and sometimes Sunday, if fish is left over, they have an air a fish shipment comes in from New Zealand. It's basically caught that morning, and it's on a plane to Vancouver. It arrives, and it's in the it's in the chef's hands within hours. And uh, so she showed us some of the fish they had that weekend. They never know what fish is going to come in, and they don't have very many of them. They have a few fish, a few fit, few different fish come in. And uh, then it's on the cook. The chef will cook it up with into something. So she'll make some sort of chef feature on the Friday and Saturday. And she says usually by Saturday night it's gone unless for whatever reason it's not. They'll have some left on Sunday. But uh, that is something to know. If you want some fresh fish from New Zealand, 
that is just like caught right off the boat and then it's in Vancouver and it's on your plate within days, go for it. Riley's, this is your spot. The main on main in Riley Park neighborhood, it's been around for many years. I think they've been there for 25 years, something like that now. Um, and I hadn't been there in a while. It's probably been about 10, maybe more, 10, 12 years since I had been there. So I visited this week and wow, they're going strong. First of all, um, it is under it is a change in ownership, just so everyone knows that, and and they're they're up front about that. It was a recent change; it uh, happened a few months ago. But you never you're not going to really know the difference. So uh, owners are doing a great job there. Uh, they've got regulars like people are coming. They told me people come sometimes three times a day for various meals there. They bring their friends. It was like the cheers of uh, Boston here in Vancouver, and I was looking around like all sorts of people, all sorts of ages. And uh, people just enjoying it. So they've got this menu there that had had for years. And they said that every single thing on that menu sells. So they can't actually remove anything because it's all like the greatest hits of this restaurant. And they're all, it's all really good. So um, I went Greek that night. So I was like, I know that this, the restaurant previously was owned by Greeks for years. They know Greek food. The chefs have not changed. The chefs in the kitchen have been there for like, 15 years so no changes there they know what they're doing i had the um spankopita to start with spinach feta green onions it was in a field of pastry very very tasty i had a blueberry lavender gin fizz mocktail so it's actually not the cocktail it was the mocktail made with a, a non-alcoholic uh gin that was very tasty refreshing i went with a souvlaki platter with chicken skewers i served with uh, herb rice lemon potatoes greek salad pita and tzatziki really good and really good value there like it was i was surprised when i saw the price i was like right it was like 21 bucks something like that 22 i mean you don't find that around town anymore but so it's a great great uh, value there they've not raised any prices um and then um they have pizzas now they have a whole bunch of pizzas i went with a mediterranean pizza really tasty with chorizo sausage spinach feta and garlic now, the one thing is there is no dessert on the menu. So this is one my one thing right away was like, how come there's no dessert on the menu? So I, of course I brought it up with management. And I'm like, why is there no dessert on the menu? And they're like, yeah, we know. And this is one thing we are about to change. We are about to add desserts. So every customer asks for dessert and they don't have any. So this is what's coming. There's a few th new things that are coming to the menu and desserts is one of them. So you will watch for that very, very soon. So the main on main is at the corner of... Um, 26 i think it's 26 and main street in vancouver 26 or 27 i get the streets mixed up i think it's 26 been there forever everybody knows where it is go check it out open all day late into the night and then um burger burger so burger burger the last time i ate there was in their abbotsford location and they opened up in the earlier part of pandemic i think in 2020 I think the timing was sort of a little off, but they opened, I think it was 2020 or so, in uh, Abbotsford and a big on restaurant downtown. They're very busy in Abbotsford. Uh, they've since opened a location in Chilliwack, and now they're a part of the Cordova in Gastown. So you don't, it's not an actual burger, burger, standalone restaurant. Uh, the Cordova is a new bar in Gastown in the Woodwards building. It replaced, uh, I think it was GPO was there before, something like that. And um, Burger Burger is doing the food operations at the bar. So the bar is, of course, drinks and whatever, the Cordova bar. But the Burger Burger is doing the food operations within the bar. They have a full-on menu. They've got the, basically the entire menu of what's available in Abbotsford, plus a bunch of other dishes they're doing there. And they're going to be open very late at night. So right now, I think they're open till midnight. But they said uh, 
They're adding a takeout window, and then on weekend, I think this weekend, they said they're going to be open till 4 a.m., so you just like go buy a takeout window in Gastown. So if you're there for a party, you're there for an event, whatever, and you want some food after, you'll be able to go buy their takeout window and get it to go. So this is a great idea. Uh, owners have some great ideas here. But anyway, I took my friend Joe Leary, uh, amazing guy. Uh, you'll know him from every radio show in town, pretty much. He's done so many radio shows. He used to host uh, Fun in the morning, and... Uh, he has done TV. He has done absolutely everything. So um, I know that he loves burgers. So I'm like, you got to come along with me and try some burgers. And that he did. So the restaurants, again, it's at 136 West Cordova. We tried the chicken wings. They have all these different um, sauces and dry rubs. We went with a dill pickle dry rub for us to start. Uh, we both went with milkshakes that night. I had a cold brew coffee milkshake. He had a French vanilla milkshake. The Kale Caesar. We had the chicken strips, which are really, really good. I've had the chicken strips before. He had a smoked beef, smoked burger, which was actually made with beef and pork. It's a Lep Farms beef they use, a beef pork mix um, with bacon and bacon jam. He loved it. Um, I had the grilled chicken burger. Now, on the menu, it's known as a fried chicken burger, but I didn't want fried chicken. So they made me a grilled chicken burger, and it was really good. So you can get grilled chicken. I think they're going to add it to the menu because everyone's asking. I had it with onion rings on the side, but there's all sorts of sides you can do. And then I had their fish burger. Fish burger was my favorite for sure. It's a baked cod. Um, I had it with yam fries. It was really, really tasty, and apparently it is the owner's favorite burger too so fish burger but you know everybody there's all sorts of burgers you so many choices so you definitely want to go check it out and uh another new spot this is opened up a little while ago it's in the river district it's called Vokito uh, tea bar and i had heard of course they've got all sorts of different iced drinks and uh tea you know different kind of tea and boba and all that kind of stuff but they also have this uh soft serve ice cream so I kind of heard that they have really good soft serve ice cream. So I head on down there. It's at 3471 West Sawmill Crescent. All these new buildings there, confusing. But, you know, Google it. You'll find it. Really nice place. Really enjoyed the decor there. I just went in and had one thing. Soft serve matcha and milk tea twist. Very tasty. They had another strawberry kind of ice cream on, on call. I heard they have this um, black sesame, but they told me they actually only made it for one one week. I really hope they bring the Black Sesame softwares back because I can see how that would be a huge hit. I'd love to have that one. But uh, definitely a spot to check out is Bokito Tea Bar. And uh, lastly, I want to talk about some baked goods around town. I am totally addicted to carbs. I figured out that I cannot actually, I tried to like, let's go carb free for a week. It really doesn't even work in Vancouver. There's so many great places to go for food. But baking. Anyway, so um, Rainbow Conchas at Tamale Shop. Tamale Shop is this great Mexican place. I've talked about them before. They're on Main Street right near Broadway. And uh, they started baking their own conchas a few months ago, which are phenomenal. First of all, like so, so good. But they are making some Rainbow Conchas for Pride Month. And they have done a great job. It's full rainbow colors. I was so happy to try this. And it's available right now for June for Pride Month. I hope they actually will continue it throughout the summer or at least bring it back for Pride Weekend in August. But uh, they're a huge hit. They're selling out really fast. So if you want to order these, um, if you want to make sure you actually get some, I call ahead a day ahead and uh, order some, pre-order some, and then they'll have them for you. Because otherwise, if you get there, then you might find that there's none left. Um, really, really good. So check it out. Rainbow Concha, just the sweet bread. It's sweet Mexican bread, and it's very, very tasty. Uh, Livia on Commercial Drive has just launched 
chocolate babka. I can't believe it took them this long to do this. And I think for Claire, who owns the bake, she she also said like, I can't believe it took us so long to do this. She grew up in the in Toronto and uh, around a lot of Jewish bakeries and had babka as she as, as she was growing up. So she finally decided, you know what? We're going to have babka here at my bakery in Vancouver. And that they did. They just started this weekend. And I got myself a loaf of their chocolate babka. And it's very good. It's made with chocolate ganache. And they've got chocolate chips inside. I like that it wasn't too sweet. So I was afraid that it might be because I've had some babka in New York and other places that were actually too sweet. But this was perfect. And it's just like crusty on the outside. And it is soft, moist on the inside. So they've done a great job. You can only get it by the loaf right now. The whole loaf, it's $14. I think it's a great price because I've bought this in New York before. And in New York, it was like way more expensive. I remember we paid like $20, $22 bucks for it. U.S., you can imagine how much that becomes. It just gets it gets really high. So I think price-wise, she's done a great job with this. And uh, But go early because I went on, you know, I went early in the morning to get this. <laughs> That's the way to do it. And then uh, this this coffee bar in kits. Now, I love this coffee bar. It's one of my new favorite coffee bars in town. I don't love their name, though. It was called Brightside before. I don't understand why they changed the name to Just Another. It used to be called Just Another Pop-Up. Then they made it when they, re they closed it, and then they opened up as Brightside Coffee, which was just absolutely awesome. I can't tell you how good this place is. Um, and then I don't know why, but a few weeks ago, they changed the name again, and they dropped Brightside and went with Just Another. It's actually super confusing. When you Google it, you can't find it because you find Just Another had previously closed. It's very confusing. Anyways, aside from all that, their bakery program is incredible. And I've got two items that I've just had there recently that were just absolutely phenomenal. And I can't wait to try more, but you know, that carbaholic in me needs to like go, don't go so fast. Don't go so often. Anyway, uh, the pastel de nata, it's like a Portuguese tart is phenomenal. It was so, so good. And as was the guava and goat cheese hand pie. Like, oh my God. So this reminded me of like the guava Danish I had in Miami. But the thing is like Cuban restaurant, Cuban bakery makes these things. But this one here is like guava and goat cheese. It's just so good. I don't know. Like they must be selling tons of these. But anyway, it was really good. So definitely check it out. Go there. Just another confusing name, but great, great spot. And you'll find them on Broadway, um, a couple blocks just west of McDonald's. I just had a chance to interview Sarah McCauley. She's the corporate wine director at Global Group Restaurants. She has got her hands full with wine lists and wine programs at all the Global Group restaurants, including Riley's, of course, which I just talked about, and Five Sales, where she's also at. So we'll talk about that momentarily. So have a listen to my interview with Sarah McCauley. Talking with Sarah uh, corporate wine director for Global Group, and you guys have a whole lot of restaurants underneath your umbrella. But let's just first talk about what goes into creating a wine list for a restaurant. Oh, goodness. Uh, well, I think first and foremost, whether it's food or wine, um, it's, you know, the big question is, what do our guests want? Who are our guests? What do they want? Right. Um, it, it's it's such a it's such an, you know, overlooked, I think, part of development sometimes um, it, for people who maybe aren't as experienced um, in building programs. But um, yeah, you know, for me, it, it really is about 
what what do people want to drink um and that's different from property to property so you know for example for a property like italian kitchen um where i think people regardless of their wine knowledge want to perhaps indulge in italian selections um because it's such a natural fit of course for italian food um that that will drive um, a large portion of the decision making um but then you know you'll have rooms um like five sales um which is um you know down uh, in the same building as the pan pacific and the convention center where um guests are really coming for an experience um and in large part are um if they're um, getting off a cruise ship or staying in one of the luxury hotels nearby um they're looking for a local product um and and often want something with a little bit of a story right Some Something to to know and understand and take away from our region. So it's really guest focused. You know, it really, really is guest focused. So such as Riley's, which I ate it last night. Uh, you had an Oregon uh, Pinot Noir on the menu that we were served. Um, something like that. Um, it obviously went very well with steak. Um, when you take your your customer in mind, right? Who's coming in the door? You probably have a lot of Americans coming in, and uh, so probably they would recognize that from Oregon. But or how is there another way you go about doing that? Yeah, definitely. I think. Um, well, I think for some, like I think right off the bat, we do get a lot of Americans in, but we also get a lot of European travelers. So um, I think I'm fairly flexible in my thinking in that when I look at local wines, of course, we look at the Okanagan and look at Vancouver Island and, and Cowichan Bay and, um, you know, Samil Kameen and, and a number of really great um, regions within British Columbia. But I do consider, depending, as you said, on who we're talking to, um, I do consider Washington State wines and Oregon really sort of local in the Pacific Northwest um, from a Pacific Northwest perspective, because if you've got someone traveling from Germany or Switzerland or the UK, they will likely never have seen a Washington state wine or an Oregon wine and may never see it unless they're on um, the West Coast or in some of the larger markets down in the United States. Um, so I think for us, those wines still have really important placement regionally. Um, and you mentioned Oregon in particular, which is um, Willamette, Willamette Valley and all of its ADAs really focus um, on, on Pinot Noir and Chardonnay to a, a lesser degree, but certainly Pinot Noir. Um, and I think it would be an absolute shame to not present those wines on the world stage and the type of diverse um, tours that we get in Vancouver. Now, to your point about Americans, I think it's a, a, a great point because, um, yeah, obviously if someone's coming from San Francisco or um, coming up from Portland, no, we're not. We're not recommending, um, you know, obviously wines from 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 just south of the border. Um, but people are really eager to try. Um, British Columbia wines and that's where we'll really really focus on what we have here and and maybe even at that point um start to get down into some of the um smaller production areas like um you know Naramata Bench or talking about <clears throat> what happens in uh, a Soyuz versus what happens uh up near Kelowna um so I think there's definitely still placement for all of those wines in the regional sense mm. Uh, so what inspires you when you're creating a wine list in general? 
Uh, I think definitely quality, um, you know, um, quality of the product. Um, as I mentioned earlier, sometimes the story behind the producers, I mean, obviously quality is, is first and foremost, um, you know, the, the quality of the wine has to be there. If the quality is not there, it's not something that we're looking to work with. But I think, um, I think depending on the room, right, because um, for those that aren't familiar with Global, we have varied um, capacities in our restaurant from something like um, five sales, which I think is around 65, 70 seats, um, up to hundreds of seats when we look at Riley's uh, during the summer season with patio and, and Global, certainly um, large, large capacities, um, and, and even at Black and Blue and Coast. And um, I think one of the things that maybe um, is a, a, a bit more of a, an industry, not maybe not secret, but certainly standard is, um, for us, some of its availability as well. Right. Um, you know, I, I think it's really lovely to work with small producers um, and, and handcrafted wines. But when you look at some of our larger properties, um, we have to make sure that product is available because it's great to have it on a menu. But if you order it and we don't have it, then that's a big problem as well. Right. So I think, you know, availability is is um, is definitely something for us, which can can be top of mind. Um, and if you haven't bought from the BCLDB before with respect, because I know they have their hands full, huge, huge billion dollar operation, um, but product may not always be readily available. Um, if there's any issues at the importing stage, um, so once it crosses the border, and that could be something as little as, um, you know, um, improper placement of alcohol levels or, um, you know, missing contained sulfites on a label or something like that, um, that some of those products can get delayed. <clears throat> and so for us, um, how much is available, how much is actually here and, and ready to pull from, from the warehouses, <clears throat> what's future availability going to be like, um, you, you know, that stuff uh, is important as well. So, it's not just product by product at that point, it's building those relationships with our suppliers, right? And making sure that if we are presenting products to our guests, um, that yeah, A, of course they're of high quality level and represent their regions and their varietals really well, but also that it's available and we can get it into the hands and mouths of our guests. That's super important as well. Uh, so you've been working in the hospitality industry for over 25 years. What get, what got you into wine? Yeah. How did that interest start? You know, I think um, I think I've always had a, a maybe a personal interest in it. Um, I don't. Um, with all transparency, it wasn't. I, I didn't grow up with fine wines. Um, you know, I think that. Um, you know, I think when I was young, there would have been boxes of wine in our fridge. <laughs> Um, and, and, and later on, um, bottles of inexpensive wines, either locally produced or, you know, um, from elsewhere. Um, but I think I've, I've always, from a very young age, been incredibly passionate about food. I think food probably really drove, um, that initial interest. And as you start to explore countries like France, 
and Italy and Spain where wine is so embedded in the food culture um, and those two things go um, you know hand in hand really I think you'd be hard pressed to find um, a traditional table in many of those countries where there just isn't wine sort of um, out and, and being consumed as um, part of a healthy lifestyle and to aid digestion and elevate flavors. Um, so I think as I started my in my late teens and early 20s to, to really um, become incredibly passionate about food and realizing that this was um, something that would um, be a lifelong passion, the wine just sort of followed. Um, and as I wanted to improve my skill sets in the restaurant and be more intertwined with our programs, that passion for knowledge um, has grown and grown. And while wine is in, an incredibly um, complex topic, um, I think I find solace in that complexity and that um, it's something that um, I'll never feel like I fully master um, and therefore will always keep me engaged <laughs> because there's always more to learn. <laughs> True. There's a lot of wine out there. So um, can you tell our readers, our listeners, where have you worked in the past 10 years? Oh, goodness. And all over the city. But... Can we do the last 20? <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Go for that. Just name uh -huh. up so people know. Yeah, so I'll, I'll I'll give you a little rundown of like some of the places I've worked. Um, I spent a number of years working for um, a restaurant group called Top Table. Um, Top Table has curated some of the best restaurants in the city. Um, very early in my career, I worked at West Restaurant when David Hawksworth was the executive chef there. Um, I spent a small amount of time at Chipino's early in my career as well um, with Pino Pastorero as the chef. And again, uh, learned a ton from both of those properties and chefs. Um, I spent a good number of years working at Blue Water Cafe, which is in Yale Town, also with Top Table Group. Um, and uh, that was really, I think, where my, my passion for for, for wine um, really started to take, I think, a different gear, right? Like we really started to just shift um, into high gear and, and huge wine program um, that we worked with there. Uh, and I worked at all of those uh, locations uh, in service. So I, as a server, um, so I have a, a really long um, history of of providing service in that regard. Um, I didn't just go straight into management. Um, I was promoted to wine director at Chin Chin, another top table property, which was my first really big wine program. Um, we had over 1200 selections and the wine list was 50 pages long. Um, a good focus on Italian wines, which um, most people who know me um, are well aware that it's my absolute passion um, in terms of, of a, a country um, you know, in food, uh, food and wine. Um, I've also worked at a few hotels. I've worked at the Wedgwood Hotel, which is a Relay and Chateau property, as well as uh, Fairmont Hotel Vancouver um, as the general manager of Notch 8 uh, and managed several outlets there. More recently, um, I have worked, I've also taught hospitality as well. I took a little um, COVID recess um, and was teaching hospitality um, at a few different private colleges. So um, I have a, a strong educational background 
and also taught um, part-time for the One and Spirit Education Trust um, for almost 10 years through the Art Institute. I have my diploma for One and Spirits uh, um, through WSET and I have my first two levels to the master's program and, and um, I'm currently sort of in the mix of, of finishing my third level. Um, my most recent um, and, um, you know, uh, I feel incredibly fortunate to work with Global Group I've worked with Global Group on and off, I think, since 2014 or 15. Um, so a good amount of time uh, and have worked as general manager, assistant general manager, um, and now as our corporate wine director. So I get to go back to a lot of the properties where I managed previously. Um, and again, feel incredibly fortunate to work with um, such an impassioned uh, and professional uh, group of restaurateurs and, um, and, and chefs and, and, and the like. So let's talk about Riley's and Five Sales. What types of wines did you showcase on their wine list? And I imagine that they are fairly different as they're two completely different kinds of rooms and, and dining experiences. But uh, just to give people a rough idea, kind of what would the differences be between the two as far as wine goes? Yeah. Um, so I think um, in the short sense, um, Riley's, we want to have an international selection admittedly we don't represent every region i think um i don't think you can really do that um unless unless we were looking at like a massive massive program right um you know our wine list oh goodness now i'm on the spot i think our wine list is about 12 to 14 pages uh, at riley's um or about a dozen pages of 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 wines um we have several hundred selections somewhere between 200 and 250 um, depending on um, sort of what the inventory is and some of those selections, multiple vintages. Um, so a little bit more of an international feel, definitely some good um, focus of, of regional by the glass. Um, but I think, as I mentioned earlier, um, based on the fact that we have people traveling from all over the world, um, we want to make sure that everyone's palates is taken into um, are taken into consideration, that there's a little bit there for everyone. I think that we there's somewhat of a similar approach at Five Sales in that we still want to make sure that some of those classic regions around the world are represented, but there's definitely more of a focus on, on British Columbia. And I think also with Five Sales in terms of the service, um, because the pace of the service um, is a little, I want to say slower, because it's not that it's slow, but I think that um, guests are really wanting to kind of sit back, enjoy the view, um, and, and sort of dine for either the evening or for a good amount of time. And so there's a little bit more storytelling involved in that, right? Where there's a, a bit more of an intimate experience that the guests want to have with the wine. So there's, you know, more discussion on, you know, who owns the winery? What is it? How is it? What else do they produce? Um, and, and really making that connection. Um, and at Riley's, we have some of that too. But I think um, there's also, as you probably saw last night, a really vibrant energy to that room. And um you know, being an educator by trade, sure, I, I love to tell a story, um, but I also think that it's totally okay as a guest, if you want to just come in and enjoy a great bottle of wine, and you don't want to have me there lording over you or filling your ear, and you just want to drink something good, that's great too. And so um, I think that there's just a bit more um, nuance in that service in that um, <clears throat> 
we want to provide whatever you want. Whereas with five cells, we know our guests want a really hands-on experience and that definitely affects the selections. So what are you drinking currently? What wines are on your palate right now? <laughs> um, I think I'm right now. Um, so I, I drink, um, I, I drink primarily whites <laughs> personally, um, because I tend towards lighter foods as well. Um, so I'm always looking for whites with a lot of character. I'm really into white Rhone right now. Um, I think a lot of people are familiar with um, red wines from the Rhone Valley, but the whites are incredibly complex. I think they represent something unique within the world in that um, the great varietals are, are fairly um, unique to that region. Um, um, Grenache Blanc, Marsan Roussin, and, and, and Viognier sort of being the most predominant of those. Um, and I think they give body, they give intensity. Um, you'll get everything from um, peaches and apricot and stone fruit to sort of secondary aromas of like almond husk or savory herbs like sage or, um, or, or thyme. Um, and then the thing that I really love, pardon me, about these wines is they show um they show this slight phenolic bitterness um which i think is a little hard to talk about table side because people might think ooh bitter um <clears throat> but it can add incredible complexity um and ability to pair with food which we don't find everywhere and probably if i didn't tell you about it you may not pick it up on your own and it speaks to just sort of the depth and the nuance of those wines that i really really love and i think that they sort of transcend <clears throat> a number of different dishes um, so I, I think it's a region that um, really excites me um, in terms of like it's super classic and for wine lovers, they know it. Um, but for people that are maybe just starting to delve into old world wines, um, I think that, you know, definitely white burgundy overshadows that. And, um, you know, certainly we're all familiar with Champagne, but um, and Loire Valley, where Sancerre comes from. But I definitely think that the the Rhone Valley whites are not to be overlooked. Um, and we're pouring a, um, a, a white Rhone um, by the glass, Domaine Seneschaux, at a couple of the restaurants currently um and i think it's something that's really special to to um to be able to showcase to guests um what food would you or what dishes would you recommend um people pair with that with that particular one I think you can, I think a lot of the seafoods from our region work well. So halibut being in season, depending on the sauce, I think halibut works really well, especially if there's some nice green vegetables on there, which add that sort of that, that, that herbaceousness or add some of those, um, those vegetal characters. I think that's a, a Rome white can really hold up to that well. Um, especially if you had something like a Bernays sauce, which again is a little bit richer. Um, and so sort of combining a lot of those flavors and those profiles, um, the wine really starts to come forward um i think you can do it with sable fish as well and again depending on on preparation even an arctic char if it was a lighter preparation or a salmon um for those of us that prefer to drink whites right and go oh well i know i could do a pinot with this if i really wanted to switch over to red but something like a roan white it having that body and having some of that again that that bitter that that bitter phenolic compound um really allows for a lot of play um you can do it with like obviously white meats um you know savory savory vegetable dishes as well all really really great pairings for it um so not i don't know if you could name your favorites because you work with a lot of wineries but 
At your in your home wine collection currently, what would your top three favorite be? Mm. <laughs> well, oh goodness. Okay, so I'm I'm a big champagne drinker. Um, so there's usually a couple of bottles of champagne. Um, I love some of the top houses, but I I think if I was gonna go for something that was maybe um that maybe all of us can afford because admittedly I have bottles in there that um I didn't always purchase and were incredible gifts um but maybe with um with honesty wouldn't be there if I had to purchase them myself um I think if I if I could say one champagne house De Lamont is one of my favorites um De Lamont um is owned um is owned by well it's under the umbrella of Laurent Perrier <clears throat> It's the second label to a, an incredibly famous producer named Salon uh, in a little village um, um, called Minus de Auger. And the village is tiny. They absolutely focus focus on Chardonnay production and I love Chardonnay based um, sparkling wines even locally um, so like Tantalus does a really lovely Blanc de Blanc um, and if you see Blanc de Blanc it means a white wine made from white grapes uh, so you know if it's a traditional method sparkling it's going to come from Chardonnay um, but um, De La Mont is wonderful and Salon is far too expensive for me to purchase now I think it's up over $1,300 a bottle wow. um, so not <laughs> You know, 20 years ago, it was about 300. So like a splurge I could afford once a year. And now it's just like well beyond my capacity. But they only produce in usually around three vintage every decade. And when they don't produce, all of that fruit goes into De La Mons, <laughs> which, which I'm like, yay. Um, so I think De La Mons are uh, the great bottle of champagne to 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 enjoy um and even though most people think of champagne as a wine that is exclusively for celebrations um it has wonderful crisp high acidity which makes it a great pairing for a lot of food it balances out other acidity in foods um it also cuts through fats and richness so any fish with butter sauce all of your oysters and i have paired champagne even with steak for people that don't um drink red wine because that lovely acidity works as a palate cleanser and it refreshes your palate um so champagne is actually something that can carry you through an entire meal so often if i'm opening <clears throat> a bottle and um i want it to last through multiple things and i want um you know i want it to be versatile champagne's such a great region and again overlooked if you're not having a celebration there's some good bottles out there so uh take us on a tour of vancouver's wine bars and restaurants with good wine lists that are that ones that you do not work for currently <laughs> what were, um, what are your favorites all right. So I live downtown. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it'll probably be fairly central. Because <laughs> that, as Richard knows, I'm, 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 a, I'm a parent. So it's hard for me to get like far from home at, at any time. Um, I really love the selections at Nightingale. And if you want a, a, a great, um, you know, a pizza and a slightly more casual, but still incredibly upscale environments where, where you're like, you know, I want to have something that's a little bit um, slightly more approachable, but still sort of in that vein. I think they've got a really 
good selection of um, carefully curated wines. Um, I love that if you're going for steak and you're not going to black and blue, which is one of our properties, um, Eliza's cellar is incredibly deep. Like, like deep in a way that, um, you know, I think it's hard for most places um, to emulate. I think, um, you know, that that can be really challenging. And they've had the benefit of um, restaurant um, wine cellar amalgamation, which we all wish we had other restaurants we could pull from and, um, and bolster, you know, cellars and, and back vintages. And, um, and I think... Um, I, I want to mention this because I know it's not a room that necessarily everyone can go to um, because it's a private club, but Vancouver club um, under the radar has one of the best sellers in the city. Um, and they curate on, um, you know, um, based on, um, on what their guests want. And Tim Ellison, who's the general manager at Vancouver club was a wine instructor for years and years, um, both with the art Institute and with Pika. Um, so, you know, and, and Randy who, who runs the program there, um, is incredibly thoughtful when he curates and, so if you're lucky enough to have a membership or get to an event there um, on any an, an, on any given night, um, these are programs which I think would rival um, international sellers um, and and really I think do justice to um, you know what really the breadth and depth of a wine cellar could be. Hmm. Okay, so um, what would you look for when you're dining in a restaurant? Let's say any, let's just pick a casual spot in Vancouver, downtown somewhere. It's not just not, it's not give it a name. <laughs> but what are you going to look for? You walk into this restaurant, maybe you haven't been there before. Um, what would you look for? Like, I want to get a glass of wine, but I don't know what to get. I mean, a lot of people walk into restaurants, they have no idea what they are in the mood for or what kind of wine they should have, what they should ask for. What do you ask for? What do you look for? Um, I think first and foremost, I, I think, um, it's, it starts with the staff, right? If I have a, if I have a server or if I was sitting at a bar and as a bartender, I think I'm really looking for that engagement. And I think that, I think you can tell whether it's genuine or not. Right. Um, I think I'm not always looking for necessarily a huge, like spiel on wine where I, I need to know everything about it. Um, but I think that you can sense passion. And I think that, um, you know, I think that's really important when staff are passionate about what they're working with. Um, I think that they've built a connection. I think that there's a connection and sort of a genuine nature to, to what that is. Um, and, and I, and I love that, um, because I think for me, you know, and, and maybe a lot of people relate to this, even though I'm a, a psalm, I, I have very specific tastes. Like I, there's certain regions and wines that, that I love. Um, and so when someone present something to me that that maybe isn't within my sort of normal wheelhouse of buying but it's done in a way that's impassioned um and that that they're excited about it gets me excited about wine too and I'm like oh hey I'm gonna, I'm gonna try this right I want to I want to be part of I want to be part of that energy and that experience um because I do really think that wine is um when it comes to a restaurant is very much experience based um, and, and I find that whether I'm in Vancouver or I'm traveling, right. Um, it's not always about what is the, the best glass of wine because best glass of wine is very, very subjective. 
right? But I think when people are impassioned um, and they believe in a product, um, I want to check that out. I want to figure out what's, you know, what's created that bond and that level of trust between the staff and the product. Um, and I want to be part of that. This was wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this week's show. Tune into the next episode next week to hear more interviews with chef and cookbook authors, as well as other features. Please tell your friends about this podcast and have them subscribe to the Van Foodster Podcast and Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, and Amazon Music to hear my weekly show covering the food scene in and outside of Vancouver.